Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, I'm Jack Murley, and this week myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, look back at a weekend that none of us will ever forget as All Out and AEW blew the doors off Chicago with a pay-per-view for the ages. We'll talk the matches, the debuts, the shock factor, and what on earth comes next for the company that everyone in the wrestling world is talking about. We'll wrap up our fantasy booking as well with the best and the worst of WrestleMania's past and present, and a little later, Brock Lesnar skinning a pig. It'll all make sense as we get into this week's Earning the Push. Well, I actually thought, is there any point us doing the show this week? Because what's... Since we last recorded, not much has happened, has it really? WWE didn't have a pay-per-view, wasn't very eventful, SmackDown. Oh, didn't AEW have some show? All all something. I don't I don't remember what it what it was. No, come on. I mean, where do we start? Usually I sit and I write my notes and I say, here's what happened. We're just gonna wing this because it was the most extraordinary end to a pay-per-view I think I can ever remember. The first thing we've got to say, and we said this on text, the sad thing is there was a lot of great wrestling that will get forgotten. No one will talk about the Lucha Bros uh, Young Bucks cage match, will they? That The only match that will really be spoken about will be CM Punk's return. The rest is all the debuts. When I woke up on Monday morning and I saw what had happened, it made me think of like a young child at Christmas who his mum and dad is saying, now make sure you don't rush through all your presents. Open one, enjoy it, have time to it, and then move on to the next. The kid's gone, no! I'm opening them all at once. And 99 times out of 100, that goes terribly. But this child, and then in this instance, we're almost the children. We got every present we wanted. We opened them all at once, and we're going to enjoy them for years to come. AEW just went, ah, to hell with it. Have everything, wrestling fans. Here's it all. We're giving you all tonight. You want CM Punk's first match in seven years? You can have it. You want Ruby Soho's debut? You can have it. You want Adam Cole's debut? You can have it. Oh, what's that? You want the American Dragon Brian Danielson back as well? Here it is. Happy Christmas. I was getting messages from people who haven't watched wrestling in a long time saying, oh, my God. And I have Mondays off. And I said, don't tell me. I want to know how to react. I want to know how to feel. And we spoke on the pod last week and we said, would you have Cole and Danielson at the same time? And I said, no, I'm not sure I would. I had that sensible, smart fan mentality. And what I actually got was was the instinctual reaction of, oh, my God, that's Adam Cole. And oh, my God, it's Brian Danielson. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. It was just an amazing feeling. What they did so well was we all thought we knew what was happening. We all thought Kenny's running down the roster at the end and out comes Brian Danielson. And the lights go out and everyone, everyone in that arena knew who was about to walk out. And then Cole's music is, by the way, a bit of a banger, Adam Cole's new music. Just let's get that out there. That hit and everyone lost their minds. Because I said last week, none of us knew what was happening with Cole. WWE hadn't announced he'd left. that, So we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know if he had a non-compete clause. We didn't know how soon he could turn up. So everyone lost their minds. And I think everyone was like, oh, that's the big surprise. We're not getting Danielson. But you know what? That's fine. We think he's coming. And actually, Cole's just as big in a lot of ways. That's huge. And then Ken's wrapping up. And that just comes in. And the place came unglued. Also, Daniel Bryan looks class. Sorry, Brian Danielson. I'm going to call him that name now. 
That little top knot shaved head combo, him and Brock are both rocking it, and they, it works. It's one of those moments I was trying to think when wrestling has had anything like it, and people will draw parallels with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash week after week. This, to me, feels bigger than that. This, to me, feels like a different sort of moment, not because the invasion and the outsiders wasn't big. Of course it was. But this just feels like... I, I don't know where AEW goes next. I don't know. We fantasy book on this show. I'm looking at all this talent going, I don't know what happens next. Well, I'm, um, I saw Punk's tweet where he said, we're not um, Hall and Nash. We're not Hulk Hogan. This is very different but in a lot of ways. This is bigger. And this is because I see, I see people keep trying to draw parallels between WCW and AEW, but I just think it's so different. They're not getting washed up. WWE guys, this isn't like, we had this conversation again. Jack and I, amazingly, Jack and I talk a lot about wrestling, not on this podcast. <laughs> this isn't washed up vets who are looking for one more payday. This isn't guys past their prime. This is the guy who main evented WrestleMania last year. This is the guy that Vince was bending over backwards to try and keep in WWE. This is the guy that for seven years, WWE could not bring back for love and money. Because you see, Punk's quotes were saying, if I was there for money, I would have I would have main evented WrestleMania three years in a row. Like the offers were there. I never wanted to do it. This is this is game changing because these are people who WWE want to keep and can't. And that is that is huge. Like, like you said about people messaging you with um that you hadn't spoken to an age about wrestling. I had one. Uh, my old physio from Jersey, who's a very, very, very lapsed wrestling fan. Now and again, that's when big happens. And he just texts me and he said, WWE are done. He said, I know now where I'll go to watch wrestling when I want to. When I want a little fix of wrestling, which maybe happens once every other month for him, big show, he'll be like, oh, I need a fix. He's like, I'm not touching WWE. I'm not because the guys I know, the guys I enjoy watching. People will talk a lot about Tony Khan's money, and there is no doubt that money plays a role in this. However, you have to create an environment that people want to be in. And I think it's remarkable that in September 2019, two years ago, AEW hadn't gone on air with Dynamite. They hadn't had their first show. And sure, money talks, but they've created an atmosphere, an environment where Danielson wants to come and wrestle, where Punk wants to come back and wrestle. They have created the hot new thing. And that is so hard to do yeah they it, it's amazing like i said i can't stress this enough it's people choosing to go there this isn't people who haven't got another option like for example malachi black WWE released him so it was the main one it makes sense to go to aw punk cole brian they want WWE want them vince would kill to have those two on his roster and they're saying no we're going elsewhere so it's huge i think did you see the interview that uh, Danielson and Tony Khan did after. Uh, you've seen the clips of that where someone asked Brian Danielson why he chose AEW. And um, he said, he was quite good. He said, I don't want to be cocky or anything, but I'm quite good at this. He's like, I've proved all over the world that I'm good at wrestling. I don't need to go anywhere to prove it. He said, I'm here to see how good these guys are. He said, I've seen from afar how good I think they are, but you don't know until you get in the ring with them until you see them week to week. He's like, I'm here because I want to know how good these guys are, both. AEW superstars in the ring and the production behind, everyone says great things about them and I want to see it. So it's that's a huge statement that they've done enough for him to want to go there, but now they have to back it up. I feel like with these new guys now, it's a huge moment for AEW because there are more eyes on them than ever before. And I think the first time now, the wider wrestling audience is seeing them as a genuine competitor. And I don't think we can see them as anything but that. 
they are making too many big moves to be ending but so actually now you've got to start delivering week to week you've got yeah. to start you've got to back this up now because if you don't you won't capitalize on this and WWE be there laughing because there'll always be two around two million tuning into Raw they'll always have that so you gotta you gotta deliver now AW. I think also the temptation as wrestling fans and look at the language we use, the competition, the war between these two companies. I think what we should remember is what we're finally getting is choice. And actually, Danielson and Cole, they said, look, actually, no hard feelings towards WWE. They were great to us, but we found somewhere we want to go more. We found somewhere we will enjoy doing this more. And it's not necessarily that WWE has to be bad and AEW has to be good. They've just found a product that they will enjoy more. One thing some people are saying to me is that AEW got to where they are today in part due to two years of, of developing homegrown stars. And when I look at AEW's roster now, there is a danger that some of those homegrown stars get lost in the mix. Are you worried about that? Slightly. I'd say, I think we saw with WWE maybe about five years ago when they hoarded all the best talent in the world, and that's why we're now seeing people like Black, uh, people like Cole leave and be really accepted because there's just so much good talent there. You don't want AW to make the same mistake, and these homegrown talent, the likes of uh, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, these people fall down the card when they are great parts of the show. It's hard. You've got to get the balance right, haven't you? Of You want to get that more casual fan with the big names in and these guys can wrestle, they'll be brilliant. But also your AEW purists who have stuck with you the whole way, who've been there since day one, you wanna you wanna reward their loyalty with the people they like. And also you don't want to lose the superstars who you've got the brand on, the, the wrestlers. So it's a real hard balance. We've already said that we feel like week to week certain people get lost in the shuffle of AEW. So yeah, I don't know how you do that, but that's why we fantasy book and not actually book. I, I think this is, and I was having a conversation with a couple of people, as, as you have as well, and this is where now AEW really has to deliver because they have got every ingredient someone could want. You've got all the ingredients under the sun to put together an amazing wrestling product, and they are. There's no doubt their product at the moment is amazing, but they can't end every pay-per-view with a big surprise or a big signing. Now we're at the stage where we need to see how Tony Khan puts those ingredients together, makes a recipe work and starts delivering those compelling stories on a week to week basis. And you're right. There are some times you come away from dynamite and you go, Hmm, not sure I'd have given 20 minutes of TV time to X, Y, or Z when whoever sat on the sidelines. Yeah. And it feels like a big reset for AEW now. Like a lot of their storylines have come to a finish. Haven't they? You look at MGF Jericho, how long has that been going on? And that's, that's done now. Um, Cole joining the elite. Um, it looks like they go in with Danielson and Kenny Omega. Oh my God, we're getting Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. It's a big reset, isn't it? It seems like it's a big shift. So it's God, it's exciting. Jesus, how exciting! And that—that's the issue with being a smart, smart fans as we are having a wrestling podcast. You seem to look at the negatives, look at the positive. This is this is the most exciting time to be a wrestling fan probably since since Monday Night Wars because if you think Vince ain't sat there. In, uh, in WWE Towers, a little concerned about this, then I think you're kidding yourself. If you don't think he's there somehow plotting how he can he can take an AEW start at WWE, like that's going to be the interesting thing. When AEW guys' contracts start coming up, they, these popular guys, what offers they'll be getting from WWE? Because I don't for a second think Vince isn't working out who he can take back. 
Yeah. And and God, I hope it's not coming across as, as, as us being negative, Um, because how can how can you be? How can you be given that night of action? And and it, it it's almost I think when wrestling fans say this, it's a concern that the great thing will end. Do you remember we used to do this with TakeOver? We used to look at each TakeOver card and go, they've been so good. They've been on such a roll. Is this the TakeOver that doesn't deliver? And I think it's us not wanting the, the wave to come down the other side. Let's talk a little bit about the card. Who would have thought we'd be coming out of All Out in Chicago, CM Punk, first show back in seven years, and he wouldn't be the first topic. But I thought he looked really, really good. And credit to Darby Allen for, for taking him to where he did in that match. If I didn't play rugby for seven years and I came back and gave that sort of performance on a rugby pitch, I'd be very, very pleased. I'd be sat on the Monday morning very smug. Uh, he looked good, didn't he? Because I was a little concerned because he's 43 now, isn't he? And to be out for seven years, that's not easy to get back in. So he did very well. And yeah, Derby, all the credit in the world. Derby Allen's a star, isn't he? He's he's very good. He's going to be very, very good for a long time. But no, it was a really good match. It was just, I was sat there. And I was just had to pinch myself. I was like, I'm seeing CM Punk wrestle again. Like, I didn't, like, I was just smiling. Like, this is not something I thought I was going to see again ever. I'd, I'd, I'd given up, if I'm honest. I thought he wasn't coming back. So it was, it was just one of those moments where, you know what? He could have had a two-star match. It'd be rubbish. I probably would have still enjoyed it, but he didn't. He had a very good match. And yeah, I'm really, really intrigued to see where they go with him now as well. Where do you put Punk on that card? Well, you'd hope they would get some big ratings for Dynamite because no no one knows. That's what wrestling fans love. No one knows. Um, I have to give a shout out to the MJF Chris Jericho, the end of that match. I thought that was really clever. AEW doesn't do sort of screwy referee finishes that often. And they did get me. They did have me at that end where Aubrey Edwards counted for three. I did think, mm, okay, Jericho's done. And then to restart and have MJF tap, lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, by Jericho, that's weird. No, I was glad we weren't. Because also, he's got a load still to give, I think. So I'm excited to see where he lands on that roster as well. My final thought as well on the show is... Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. Now the Young Bucks have picked their lane as heels in this mode. They are my favorite thing on the show. I really do think that. And to see the Lucha Bros, the moment where Matt Jackson pulls out that thumbtack studded boot and you just, I loved it. Didn't go too long. Didn't overstay its welcome. Not too many flashy tricks. It was just sensational. Yeah, they are. It was brilliant. And as you say, Heel Young Bucks are just a joy. They're brilliant. They're just the most annoying, smarmy. They're the worst, aren't they? But the best worst. Uh, yeah, I love uh, the Lucha Bros, and it's nice to see them with the titles. Those guys can wrestle, can't they? They're just such a great mix of high-flying and power as well. I really, really enjoy the Lucha Bros. Where would you play Ray Phoenix if he was on your rugby team? Because I look at the things he can do. His body does things that an average body shouldn't be able to do. He can spring off the mat. He can fly off the walls. He he can do ungodly things. Screams scrum half, doesn't he? Screams it. Get him on the ball a load and get him scooting around big, big, slow people like me. I'm not going to get near him. I'd have Ray Phoenix at scrum half. Uh, it was it was a fantastic show. I really, really enjoyed it. I want to say again, because I am the biggest fan in the world of Jim Ross, I thought to hear him having that kind of passion and energy when Adam Cole, to hear Jim Ross at all of 69.70 say, it's Adam Cole, baby, with that kind of passion. And Tony Schiavone as well. You can tell they're loving the shows. 
Yeah, they are having an absolute ball, aren't they, Compton? And so why wouldn't they? It must just be so much fun. So much. I'm always fascinated when it comes to big surprises like that, how much the commentators know. These are sort of inside things I wish I knew in wrestling. Like, do they know where they're getting Danielson and Cole? What, what do they know? Do they know how the match is finished? It, it fascinates me. Well, I've heard Jim Ross talk before uh, where he wants to know as little as possible. So he's always said he doesn't want to know match finishes. He doesn't want to know the end of matches. What he would rather do is react organically. Now, I think he's probably smart enough to know that when the match ends with Christian Cage, look at me talking about JR, he's probably smart enough. He's definitely 100% clued up that when the match ends that way, someone is coming out. But it's that organic nature of things I think is brilliant. And how much does it matter that on this podcast, we're not going to really talk at all about WWE, that they had Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch come back two weeks ago and they're barely warranting a mention. They're going to the Garden on Friday for SmackDown and yet here we are. Do you want to talk about WWE? Does it excite you? Not particularly. Uh, have you heard? Have you read the rumours of who they're rolling out of the Garden this weekend? No, no, no. Mr. Mr. Taker apparently is coming out this weekend. I read a rumor, which I love the Undertaker, but I'm, if he comes back within a year of retiring to do anything, I'd be like, oh, just let him let him go home. I have a little bit of time because that is what concerns me. Is on the end of the last ride, he said, if Vince ever needs me, he knows I'll be there, and the Vince is going to start panicking and roll out eighty-four-year-old Undertaker for a match that he just isn't. He won't be ready for. Bless him. Uh, but no, they go into the garden. It's going to be a SmackDown Super Show, isn't it? And it's going to have to be pretty bloody super at the moment. That doesn't that you know things can change so quickly in terms of momentum, in terms of buzz. And I appreciate that AEW is angled towards fans like us who who think themselves to be a little bit clever, a little bit clued in. But it must be worrying to WWE that they they have played two of their biggest cards. And then AEW have said, oh, we see your Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch and we're going to reach in and we're going to take these people back and we're going to, to, to one-up you because I don't know what other cards WWE has to play at the moment. They're, they're sort of looking at a fairly empty cupboard. Yeah, it's, as I said, it's going to be a slightly worrying time and especially if if AEW stick the landing on this and come out with a banging dynamite this week that gets us all excited for the... They need to show us where they're going this week. They need to give us a few hints at where they're going with these stars, and then I think we could be could be very excited. Also, we didn't say Adam Cole coming back as a heel, joining the elite, chef's kiss. Just just brilliant. The whole swerve sort of always going to come out. Because also, got me very excited. I was like, oh, Cole versus Omega, yes, please. And I was like, oh, no, of course he's back with these guys. That makes sense. It was just it just made sense. When he super kicks Jungle Boy, I was like, oh, Oh, Jungle Boy. But also, yes, it makes it. Also, I, I tweeted this today. Heel Adam Cole is the best Adam Cole. And long way down the line, of course, there'll be issues because he's not leader because Kenny is. And Adam doesn't like playing second fiddle, does he? So there, we'll get that eventually. Let me just jump in here and remind you that word of mouth is the best way to keep this podcast growing. So if you are a wrestling fan and like what we do on the show, don't be shy about it. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Share a bit of love on social media and tell other wrestling fans to get involved with the show. And with that, back to the pod. Right, next week, we should say, is going to be a different sort of show because uh, we're recording it 
um, in advance because I'm off on the holidays. So next week isn't going to focus on anything going on in WWE or AEW. It's going to be a farewell to NXT as we know it, looking back at some of the best NXT moments and what it's meant to professional wrestling. Also, no fantasy booking next week as a result of that. We'll set you a topic in a couple of weeks' time when we're back doing things normally. But Charlie, we have to finish off fantasy booking of this WrestleMania best card, worst card type of thing. You gave us some stonkers last week. I have got my own here. Are you ready to hear them? Let's have it, Mr. Early. I'm ready. Do you want best or worst first? Let's start best, because then we can laugh at worst to finish. Uh, okay. I, I, for worst, there were some things that were so bad, I did have to go back and check they weren't a fever dream. I did have to go back and check they actually happened. So... Here's my best one. Again, thank you to everyone who's got involved in this over the past couple of weeks. We'll do another one like this maybe for the Rumble or Survivor Series or something like this because it was really good. Uh, My best WrestleMania card is starting with WrestleMania 21, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. You can't not have Eddie Guerrero on a Mania card, and that is the one to go for. So I'm taking that as my opener, and then we're going straight in to the Dudleys against the Hardys against Edge and Christian, TLC2. I don't think a single person has not had that on the card. It had to be done. Here's where I'm going to deviate because match three is Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle, which means we won't be having any of the Undertaker's Shawn Michaels matches because I remember the build to Michaels versus Kurt Angle. And if I can find a way to have Kurt Angle sing, I'm just a sexy Kurt, I'll make your ankle hurt. There we go. Oh, so good. So good. I'll make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. That was brilliant, wasn't it? And that was, God, how long ago was that? 2005? And we can still remember still remember that so if i'm getting that build up um sean michaels bringing about marty Janetti with the rockers i'm having that and that means that i'm going to have to take a different undertaker match which is going to be undertaker against rick flair from wrestlemania 18 very because- very very underrated streak match that one very underrated it was a match that rick flair says gave him back his confidence made him feel like he could be Ric Flair. I also love the moment where Arn Anderson comes out from under the ring and just gives Flair a spine buster. Now, I was in two minds and I did have to go back, cross out, cross out, because I realized afterwards I also had Flair against Michaels and I couldn't. So this is why it's so hard. Um, I'm going for my women's match for a different women's match. I'm going for Trish Stratus versus Mickey James at WrestleMania 22. And I am going for the unedited version where Mickey makes that thing at the camera. We all know what we're talking about there. Absolutely. Because (laughs) that was the best WrestleMania women's match up until that point. And it was the first time I watched a WrestleMania women's match and thought this has been given the time and the storyline to really be something special. And that Chicago crowd were great, which means we then go to The Rock against Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 18 because it is my go-to match if ever I'm feeling down in the dumps. I put that on. It's not the most athletic. It's not the most um, skillful, but it is what pro wrestling is at its best. Then, after you said it, I think, last week, I'm having Vince versus Shane. I'm taking that street fight. So, yep, we got two street fights on the card, but I'm going for that. And then we have to end with Daniel Bryan versus Batista versus Randy Orton. We are doing that. In terms of my arena... Am I allowed to have somewhere that hasn't had it before? Yeah, because someone had the ECW arena last week, didn't they? So, yes. Yeah. 
That was Ryan. Good. Ryan set precedent. I'm going to have it at the Millennium Stadium in Wales. Okay, with the, with the roof closed, roof's closed, roof's closed. Roof, roof is closed, Millennium Stadium in Wales, and that's where we're going to have the first WrestleMania ever in the UK. We could have gone to Wembley, we could have gone somewhere else. It needs the roof shut for that noise. Uh, and I'm going to have singing at the start, Tom Jones. Oh, of course, of course. When, go on. <laughs> I'm not going to do a Tom Jones singing impression. You've already had me sing once on this podcast today. I have. Once was enough. But wouldn't you want to see not only Tom Jones sing, but, and I'm not usually one for Divas sketches, but Tom Jones backstage with the Divas is going to be money. So I am going for Tom (laughs) Jones. uh, And he sings, uh, he won't sing I'm America the Beautiful. What will he sing? Land of My Fathers? Is that the Welsh one? Red of Heaven. I feel like, is he going to God Save the Queen? I don't know. But he'll, he'll put a Tom Jones spin on something. Tom Jones is going to put a spin on it. And uh, look, if you want to bring back a Welsh person, we can do that as well. Uh, Rob Terry was a Welsh wrestler, I think. We could have him on the card somewhere. So that is my best WrestleMania card. Would that do it for you? It would. That's a very good card. Big call that Mr. Austin's not on it. No yeah. Stone Cold. The best yep. mania ever. There was no There was no place for him. because actually, Bret Hart. I, well, here's the thing. I went you're, from about, lo- you're about to tell me you don't think Bret Hart's that good. We might finish. No, no, no. I, I'm not going to say that. But it was interesting last Thank week. Thank God for that. It was interesting last week when you said to me, matches from a certain time don't necessarily do it for you, even though you can appreciate the art in it. I went for emotional gut reaction on this. And I had to have The Rock against Hulk Hogan. I had to have it, which actually doesn't leave you with much for Stone Cold Steve Austin. It, it, it leaves you with that Bret Hart match for the ones that would be in this conversation. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Apart sh- from that, he only really had four great Mania matches. His trilogy with The Rock and, uh, yeah, and then yeah. His, um, his match with Bret. Because Sean had a broken back and has yeah. said he wasn't in the best place. So as much as I didn't want to leave him off, if I couldn't have him with The Rock, yeah. and even, even his great WrestleMania matches, I think 19 was the best of the bunch because the end of 17 just didn't really stack no. up. Um. God, Steve, if you hear this, please don't think I'm disrespecting you. We love you. We love your work. And if you'd like to come on, we yes. can make room for you. Um, also, just a side note, it's, the, it's my, apart from 28, it's probably my favourite Mania ever because I had the DVD of it and I must have watched that DVD 24 million times. Is WrestleMania 21 the most underrated Mania ever? Ooh, you go back a, and look at that yeah. card. It is Unbelievable. And it ushered in that new era when Cena and Batista won the titles. I think there's, yeah, I, I think 21's, for me, I have, I have an emotional connection to it, but I think it's so criminally underrated. There's, now, look, there's a big shout for the future going forward because I love WrestleMania 22 in Chicago with um, Edge against Foley and yeah. then the Triple H match. So, uh, wow. Okay, well, we'll do that another time. Let's do the worst. Let's do yes, some. Yes, let's do the worst. Okay, here we go. Terrible WrestleManias. Okay, we're starting with Daniel Bryan against Sheamus from WrestleMania 28. Because Eight, what, 18 seconds. What it could have been. So that is my worst opener. We're then having Aki Bono versus Big Show sumo match, WrestleMania 21. That Remember was the that? one bit on the WrestleMania 21 card that I wouldn't mind if it didn't come back. They did Big Show dirty at WrestleManias, didn't they? Because then he had that thing with um, Mayweather as well, didn't he? Where Mayweather actually fractured his cheekbone. I know that wasn't that Mayweather in the build-up, wasn't it? But 
Big Joe had a tough run with celebrity matches at Mania. Quite like that Mayweather match, though. But I remember my, my family never liked wrestling, and I'd try and convince them it was great. And then they'd come in and see Big Show in a thong having a sumo match, and they just weren't buying it. Uh, we'll then go to WrestleMania 25, the women's battle royale that was oh. won by Santina Morella. Mm. No, thank you. Uh, come then on, Bro- Vince. Come on. At least they learned from that. I didn't have a man win their first women's money in the bank. Oh, no. Oh, no. Then we'll have Brock Lesnar against Goldberg from WrestleMania 20, which I sort of enjoy <laughs> just because of how badly oh, off the rails. Proud. Oh, that's when wrestling crowds are at their brilliant worth. They went, we're not having this. No, I'm not having it. I'm not having this match. I love that there was one point where Brock just turns to them and shouts at all of them. And I don't care how many rows back you are at the garden. If Brock Lesnar turns and shouts at you, you're tightening up in all the wrong places at that particular moment. Then we're going... Kane versus Chavo Guerrero, ECW title, WrestleMania 24, eight seconds. Eight seconds long. I didn't know that was a match. I didn't know that was a thing. And you know what? I think my life is worse for now. I'm I'm presuming Kane won that one in eight seconds. Kane out, chokeslam, done, pins him, wins the title. If Chavo had won it in eight seconds, that would have been quite something. Poor old Joey Styles and Taz sat at ringside for that match, which had a proper build on, on the build-up. Um, then, look, Tori Wilson against Candice Michelle, Playboy pillow fight, WrestleMania 22. Don't want it. Don't want it. Then we're going to have Vince McMahon versus Bret Hart, WrestleMania 26. Now, I appreciate Bret's limitations. This isn't for that. It's for how long it took and how many hearts appeared from all over the building. And it was just, given what it could have been, it was... Uh, oh, was, it, was that WrestleMania 26, did you say? Yeah, 26. That happened, that happened in, what, 2010, that match that was That was the, that was the that same match, event where Michaels and Taker, yeah, Taker retired Michaels. That, yeah. that match happened 10 years too late, didn't it, really? Yeah, it really like, did. That just shouldn't have happened at that point. Like The Brett, the, the Brett Vince storyline was clearly there, clearly. But there was a better way to do it than actually having those two OAPs at that point get in a ring and wrestle that did not need to happen did no favors for either of them I think both of them would admit that and then I'm ending with something which I don't know if we can even call it a match Hulk Hogan Yokozuna Wrestlemania 9 now if you if you had been playing a rugby match and you lost because of an injury and then someone turned up next to you and you went come on how's how is Hulk the face in this scenario how is Hulk Hogan the face like just put it down, Ben, who doesn't know what happened. Yokozuna beat... Is it Brett he beats? So Yokozuna beats Bret Hart with some interference from his manager, Mr. Fuji. And then, yeah, and then Hulk runs down, and rather than, like, help Bret and take him out and make sure he's okay, he goes, no, I know what's needed here. Me versus you, Yoko, I will win the title, and wins it and starts celebrating. And Bret's just there looking amused at the whole thing, because... What a way to make Bret Hart feel better about being cheated out of the title than winning the title and rubbing it in his face. Outstanding Hulk. Imagine if Andy Murray has just lost Wimbledon and then Tim Henman pops up and Andy's going, take my place, Tim, take my place. And he plays one game and wins Wimbledon. I mean, I know it's wrestling, but dearie me. So that's mine. I don't think you could sit through that, even as a wrestling fan at the start and still be a wrestling fan at the end. No, and I think, that is a terrible main event for those reasons. The one I would have chosen is because I, I sat through and watched it live and I had 
I remember it was about half four in the morning and I knew I had training at nine and I was just like, well, this has not been worth it. You have, I know I'm going to be in a world of pain in five hours and you have not made this worth it. It was 32. Oh, Roman versus Triple H. I was just there like, this is half an hour of pure boredom. You two are great wrestlers, but you have been rubbish. I think WrestleMania 32 may be a contender for one of the worst manias of the modern era. And as you said last week, if it weren't for that women's yeah. title triple threat, it would be a real stinker. And the problem was, as WWE will tell you, there was over 100,000 people in there and they, they, were, they were okay with letting everyone know they weren't enjoying it. They were, by the end of that main event, they were like, ah, oh, nah, I ain't standing for this BS anymore. We are letting you know how much we are not enjoying this. Okay, so that's what we're doing for fantasy booking for the best and worst WrestleManias. Thank you for everyone who's got involved in this. Uh, no fantasy booking next week. It's a pre-recorded show all about NXT, which will be a great one. So stick around for that next week. But we won't be doing the usual bits and pieces. That will return in a couple of weeks. Right, let's do earning the push and back to developmental. Something is getting a push in everyday life and something is going back to developmental. I've got a cracker for earning the push. So I'm actually going to go second this week, Charlie. I'm going to let you go first. What do you got for me? Um, earning the push this week. I went home for the weekend, had a lovely weekend. Um, and stuff, and I love Liverpool. It's my favourite city in the world. That is my home. But on the Friday night, I went to the Hot Water Comedy Club, and earning the push for me is live comedy, because I haven't laughed that much since the last time I went to the Hot Water Comedy Club in 2018. And the fact I left it three years between, I know there was a pandemic in the middle, but it's a crime. And I will be looking for live comedy in Cheltenham, where I live now, and anywhere I can, because it's. Very affordable. If you go to a little comedy club, tickets are not expensive and you just have an hour and a half to two hours of just pure joy. I just, I was, you know when you're like cheeks hurt from laughing? Yeah. That was it. I went with my girlfriend, I went with my sister and her boyfriend and the comedians, it was a very small club and I stick out a little bit and they're very happy to chat to you and they quickly picked up the dynamic of our um, the four of us there. And you can imagine how that went when Big Brother is there with boyfriend of his little sister. It was just, it was just so much fun, so much fun. And I know all live arts need our help at the moment because they've had a real tough time through the pandemic. Uh, so whether it's theatre, comedy, whatever, go and support them. But yeah, live comedy is getting the push for me because I just had so much fun on Friday night. Yeah, I remember I, where who did I see? I saw Dara O'Brien six to seven years ago and I came out of that and my eyes were red raw because I'd been crying so much it was when he he was doing that routine about Metal Gear Solid and how people don't know the con and honest to goodness I was just in bits and you feel for days it's like you've broken a rib or something so yes. I'm 100% with you on that uh, what is not so good in the world of Beckett what's going back to developmental anyone who knows me knows that I'm going to say love others would say addicted to and rely on coffee mm. um I, I, yeah, I get withdrawal symptoms if I don't have coffee. It's not a good place to be. But what I do not have time for in my life is bad coffee. Don't come near me with that nonsense. Like, I don't mind paying. So I always make a lot of coffee at home, and then I like a nice coffee out. I have a very lucky looking shop. There's lots of very nice independent coffee shops. <laughs> but a new, a new one opened this week. So I thought, I'll pop over that. I like to see, I like to give them support. I'll always go to an independent before one of the big, one of the big three because they're not as good coffee. I like to support independents. So I thought, I'll go to this new one. I'm not going to name because I don't want to be horrible to him. I went in and flat white, which is more my order, was £2.90, which is, it's a lot of money for coffee, but it's really, ended under £3. Like, okay, that's what you'd expect to pay for a good coffee. 
And then I just saw what they did, and I almost asked for a refund because they didn't make it in a proper coffee machine with milk. They just put their cup under a machine and pressed a button. And I was like, no, 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 you can't, no. And they they had all the nice interior, nice coffee plates, everything you could need. And I was like, you've just, no. So bad coffee, I don't have time for bad coffee in my life. And also, if you're going to give coffee like that, you can't charge as much as when actually it takes the barista's skill to make the nice coffee when you just press a button. So bad coffee is back to that mental for me. I think when you're done with, with rugby, whatever comes next, it needs to be some form of Beckett's beans or something like that, a coffee There's something there, isn't there? There's something there. There's some branding to be done. Okay. I'm sending back to developmental the phrase, I could care less. I could care less. Because it doesn't make any sense, and it seems to be an American thing. I don't know where it's come from. The phrase is, I couldn't care less. I have no more cares left to give. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't be any less bothered. That makes perfect grammatical sense. The phrase. I was saying I could care less. Does that apply like to everything? Unless the one thing in your life that you do, the one thing you couldn't care less. Everything else you could care less about. I, I, I won't lie. I'm pretty fortunate. I've never heard anyone say that until you said it. Then, but I don't ever. If anyone says that in my life to me, I might just punch you in the face. I'm like, no, no. Of course you could speak English, man. All right. Well, you know, steady on. You don't need to hit them, but it's just, it's 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 just one of those things that, that that does my nut a little bit. I could care less. This isn't what I had written down for my earning the push, and it's incredibly niche. But I saw it this morning, and I'm going to say it. <laughs> there is a video on YouTube that has been thrown up in my algorithms of Brock Lesnar at an abattoir being shown how to butcher a pig. Now the pig is already dead. Okay, the pig is already dead. But it is the most mesmerizing thing I've seen in ages. It is Brock at some slaughterhouse, I don't know where, and there's this butcher, and he's got this pig, and he's saying, now, Brock, here's how we get ham. Here's how we get bacon. And if you ever want to see Brock Lesnar as putty in someone's hand, it is in this video. I've never, he's like a docile little puppy. He's going, how do I hold the knife? How should I slice? And how do I cure this meat? And I'm thinking, you're a killer. You're an actual killer. And this guy is just talking him through butchering a pig. It is mesmerizing to watch. Firstly, you're going to need somebody to link to that straight away when we come off air. And <laughs> secondly, what have you been searching on YouTube that is thrown up a video in your algorithms of suggested to watch next of Brock Lesnar butchering a pig at an abattoir? What, just, what have you been searching? Just your standard abattoir videos, as, Abat as we all do from time to time. <laughs> You know, if we all search wrestlers hyphen abattoir just to see what, honestly, I don't know what came up. I was, I think I was watching um, maybe some inside the rope shoot videos or something like that. And just underneath, they're called something like the Butcher Boys of Idaho. And I thought, well, this seems interesting. And the picture was Brock and his title and half a pig and this guy with massive forearms. And I thought, I'll give this a watch. And half an hour of my life went over to Brock Lesnar learning how to make ham. It is um, if you're squeamish, it is a dead pig. And I'm a vegetarian. Mm. I was fine with it. But if you're squeamish, don't watch it. But it is a thing of beauty. Well, that is not where I thought this podcast was. How How is this podcast on the weekend that AEW have debuted Daniel Bryan, CM Punk's back, and Adam Cole? How is our wrestling podcast going to end with us talking about wrestlers butchering pigs? 
Well, there we go. Look, next week is going to be a shorter show. It's a bottle show. It's pre-recorded. It's going to be about the best of NXT. Uh, so we'll be getting back into it. Um, then, uh, a- after that, I should say. So next week, a bottle show. Back to the normal shows after. Um, Charlie, before we go, are we going to see any more signings for AEW? Or is their roster done? I would not sign anyone if I was AEW, except if Mr. Wyatt wanted to come, because I don't think you can leave him on the shelf. I think he just is too good. Uh, but I don't I don't know if he'll want to be back in wrestling for a while. I would not be I would not be out trying to get him ASAP. I would let him come to me when he was ready. Well, we shall see uh, next week an NXT special. But as always, rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, make sure you tell a mate about us if you enjoy what we do. And we will see you again next week for a special show all about the best bits of NXT. But until then, bye-bye. <laughs>